0: Welcome back to Conversations for the Good. Hello, Dr. Jane. Hello, Anna. How are you today? I'm doing great. I hope you're having a wonderful week. I sure am. I sure am. And it's good to be together again. Yes, it always is, Dr. Jane. You know, we've had two recent conversations that required us to turn toward ourselves and ask some pretty penetrating questions. And I was wondering if we could just dive in and examine uh, this questioning process. Sure, Anna. In our last two conversations, we were
1: tuning into the thought stream and we were looking to investigate our personal mindset and what keeps us in our comfort zone and really away from the risks that may be necessary to have the life we really want. And this tuning in requires cultivating the ability to sustain our present moment awareness and investigate whether the threat of our thoughts and our actions align with our life purpose, you know, our meaning, our values, and our best and highest selves.
0: Yes, you know, the thought stream and reactivity seem to have a life of their own. (laughs) You know, they go unnoticed for long periods of time, maybe most of our lives. Now, I really began to understand the power they have working behind the scenes when I learned the mindfulness skills that you so graciously have taught me over the years, Yes. And you know, Anna. really, that's the
1: point. We don't notice the autopilot thought process, you know, that mind that I often refer to as the train that runs 24 seven, you know, and yet it's running our lives. And our body believes everything we think, you know, even if it's below awareness, and, and I'm not clear of what's really going on, you know, the thought stream dictates our actions and also our reactivity.
0: Yes, yeah, so we're never able to stop the train, are we? Well, no.
1: <laughs> the mind is moving no matter what we say, no matter what we do. So we don't stop the train. However, we can learn to anchor ourselves into that observer self part of our consciousness. This allows us to step off the train and watch it. I mean, really watch it and observe it. You know, we're aware of what's going on, but we're no longer ca- caught up in the, in the drama Or the reactivity. You know, remember, we're the only species that we know of that has the capacity to be aware of what we're aware. We can stand back and be aware of what we're thinking as we're thinking it. So we can investigate what's happening without being in the fray or without fueling the drama.
0: Well, Dr. Jane, can we talk a little more about the observer self?
1: Well, sure. You know, this capacity to be aware, to really watch our thoughts, our feelings, our body sensations, impulses that arise, allows us to access the internal patterns and the internal processes. So the observer self is a dimension of our awareness, our present moment capacity. And we can mindfully call it up at will and sustain it as we watch, as we observe. So this is what you learn to do in those mindfulness classes. You know, you learn to observe the process, the thoughts, the feelings, et cetera, and observe them. And then what happens is that information is there for us to explore either in that moment or we can refer to it later. And this referencing of that information has been traditionally called self-reflection. You know, we not only observe the present patterns and processes, but we can also explore their relationship to beliefs, values, passions, life purpose. And this can be an essential, an absolute essential in determining
0: both the direction and the quality of our life. You know, I'm still baffled that we don't know this. You know, we're not taught this. And it's really an integral part of our human development. Well,
1: yes, yes. It's the territory of our early conditioning. You know, our families held certain values, certain worldviews, as did the churches and the schools that we attended. You know, and we took these on as children, you know, and and quite frankly, we were rewarded and, and it was reinforced. The more we could be good little boys and girls really was determined by whether or not we were adhering to these dictates. You know, and and a while back in our conversations, we talked about um, Miguel Ruiz, who writes the book, The Four Agreements, you know, and he speaks to this early conditioning and how we take on these patterns and these worldviews and take them on and really integrate them before we have the capacity to know what we're agreeing to. And so this becomes what he refers to as our book of law. We're not fully conscious necessarily of what it is, but it's the way things are. It's the way we do things. You know, it's I'm doing life the way I was told to do it.
0: Yes, you know, I love that book. I love the four agreements. So so these are things we agree to before we even know which end is up and they can stay with us for a lifetime. You know, even if they're unhealthy or don't serve us. Sure. Sure. And some of these
1: agreements, you know, may provide true happiness and and fulfillment, you know, certain cherished values or traditions, passions, you know, it's not all bad. And the issue we want to highlight is that we have a choice, a choice to explore these inner dimensions and choose, you know, really according to our best and highest selves. You know, in recent years, I mean, even school systems have begun to include curriculums that sometimes teach things like character building or emotional intelligence, um, values clarification, even mindfulness. And sometimes this is taken in, you know, and, and really appreciated by that school system and, and the attendees. On the other hand, some of these classes have sometimes been met with harsh criticism and rejection, you know, both by the families and also by communities. You know, because they want to adhere to their version of what is right or the traditions or beliefs that they hold.
0: Yes, you know, that's, this has me, my interest. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm perked, my interest perked now. <laughs> so where do we start, Dr. Jane?
1: Well, first of all, let's give some sustenance to self-reflection. You know, I remember long ago hearing a quote from Socrates that, the unexamined life is not worth living. And self-reflection is really this capacity to examine our thoughts, you know, really our lives via our thoughts, our feelings, our values, our decisions, and to extract meaning and learn and develop ourselves from the experiences. We actually can train ourselves to carefully analyze these processes, and learn about ourselves. You know, it's an opportunity to grow and understand our motives, create a life purpose, a life purpose that leads us to, you know, both personal and professional fulfillment. One of the earliest founders of, of uh, modern psychology, a fellow by the name was of Wilhelm Wundt, is credited with first starting this as a formal study and process. You know, it was a study of mental functioning, thoughts, images, perceptual processes. You know, this was the beginning of what is now known as cognitive psychology, the psychology of the thinking process. And this dates way back to the 1800s. So the concept and the research have been with us a long time.
0: Yet overall, we're still pretty unaware of it.
1: Well, yes. And as we've mentioned in other conversations, you know, the research says that we have about 60,000 thoughts a day. But what I find incredible is 90% of those are the same as yesterday. So it's clear that if we don't refocus and learn more about ourselves, we're going to miss the opportunities to grow and be the best version of ourselves.
0: I know that that actually blows my mind. I, I, I can't get over that, you know. Well, no change is possible without some way to learn more about ourselves.
1: Well, that's it. That's it. And self-reflection offers us the possibility to learn by turning toward ourselves. And we continued to talk about turning toward, turning toward ourselves. And this is another area where it is an essential. We turn toward ourselves, exploring our character, exploring our actions, our reactions, our mindset, our beliefs. Yeah,
0: this is delving into our history Backstory, conditioning, what we're made of, what makes us tick.
1: That's exactly right. That's exactly right, Anna. You know, self-reflection is the conscious consideration and analysis of all those aspects of ourselves, you know, past, present, for the purpose of learning and for our own personal growth. You know, it's being who we're called to be, being who we're meant to be. So in our self-reflecting practice, we also give the brain an opportunity to pause. You know, we step off that train that runs 24-7, you know, that chaotic mind, and we can begin to untangle and really sort through our observations and also our experiences and begin to consider multiple interpretations, okay, multiple interpretations, and, and sometimes own Our misinterpretations of things that have happened or things that have been said or our beliefs, you know, kind of seeing through it. What's, is there another way to look at this? And also owning our reactivity. So this enables us to create meaning, shift our mindset. And this process and accompanying shifts then inform future decisions, future actions. So life is then lived from conscious choice.
0: There we go again, conscious choice. <laughs> I think it shows up in most of our conversations.
1: Well, Anna, I have to say it's really by design, you know, because it's a key component to any change process. It's a key component to our happiness and our fulfillment, peace of mind. You want some serenity? Conscious choice. You want acceptance? Conscious choice. It also helps to rewire the brain. So it's a key, really, to our personal freedom. You know, and this present moment awareness and self-reflection allow us to uncover and bring to light the truth. Bring to light the truth of where we've been and and where we are now. So this type of introspection, and sometimes it's called metacognition, isn't that wonderful? Metacognition. You know, it begins to develop in infancy and kind of moves through adolescent and, and early adulthood and really affects how we individually interact with others and mixed, how we make decisions. So it's a long involved developmental process. And self-reflection is often that retrieval, kind of that reaching in, and offers us really a deeper form of learning, which allows us to dive more deeply into the aspects of our experiences and sort out the what's and the why's and we can determine where we want to go where we're headed
0: so uh, we can then look at any experience and figure out what happened you know the real impact of the situation and what to do if it happens again
1: well that's right and and it requires both you know discipline and also intentionality we have to be willing to do it on purpose and consistently you know we're really applying a pause, you know, kind of hitting that pause button, you know, in life's chaos and saying, what's up with me? You know, and, and then moving to the present moment awareness and the self-reflection. So it's what up, what's up with me? And then by looking into this more deeply, this can boost anything from job performance to our personal sense of happiness and productivity. It can even prevent burnout. I often refer to this in a kind of a a formula that I call the three R's. And it starts with the self-reflection piece, which is the reviewing. You know, that's the first R. You know, that that I'm going to evaluate and analyze what's going on and whether or not it aligns with my personal values and meaning. And then the second R is replicate. You know, because if it fits with my personal criteria – of living from my best self, I want to continue it. So replicate. And then the third R is if it doesn't fit, if it doesn't fit within my meaning and purpose, then I need to begin to ask what needs to change or what needs to be removed or improved. And this is the third R and I call it remediate.
0: Hmm. Well, it seems straightforward. You know, why do we suppose people are reluctant to learn about it and apply it in their daily lives
1: well i think it has a you know there are varied reasons first of all i don't know that people understand the process or necessarily know how to do it you know people don't know that it can be as straightforward as review replicate remediate you know they just don't don't have that information and then sometimes we're blocked by old beliefs our judgments, or excuses. Excuses is very often a big one. You know, I don't have time. Um, and also, I mean, let's face it, there's always a rel- reluctance, I think, about turning toward those personal limitations or weaknesses. You know, and for a lot of us, it's like we tend to be biased toward action. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? Rather than taking the time to contemplate, you know, really kind of delve into and look at more deeply. You know, some people don't really see this kind of conscious reflection, even though it's time consuming, they don't see it as being, you know, going to pull them to the best results of what they're seeking, you know, and and then sometimes it, it's, you know, a part of that is it just doesn't feel like there's going to be a lot of return on investment, you know, why don't I just get going, or maybe I just want to turn the other way and ignore it, you know, so it's kind of left behind, you know, and the other piece, I think that is, is a strong piece for many of us is we avoid Looking at the truth, we avoid wanting to look at the truth of a situation or or our personal feelings, or sometimes there's a personal feeling of fear that keeps us in that avoidance. Like, you know, what is this going to affect? Who is it going to affect? You know, what will the consequences be? Will I have to change?
0: Yes, and they opt for living the same old, same old, even if it's not satisfying, you know? It's hard to take time for what really matters.
1: Well, and that's why I really consider self-reflection to be a discipline and a practice because it really is difficult at times, you know, and judgments and and emotions can cloud the way. You know, and, and it's sometimes hard to hold on to what really matters because a situation or experience may overwhelm us. You know, things can seem enormous at times, you know, and that's why we need to sometimes take that step back and really you know put the question forward to ourselves you know what really matters here what really matters here what am i looking for what am i ignoring what's right in front of me that i that i don't want to see or that i can't see you know and remember you know when we're in reactivity that prefrontal cortex the most sophisticated most developed part of our thinking brain is offline. So there we are. You know, when we're in reactivity, we're liable to say or do things that we might later regret, you know, and then later, maybe I'm going to justify it or make an excuse in order to say face. You know, we've all done it. Mm-hmm. But with self-reflection, we can consider the consequences. Consider the consequences of my words, of my actions, not just their effect on others, but also How when I'm open, open to really looking at it, I can see how my negativity is a disconnect from my best and highest self, from a power greater than myself. So it's not just about others. It's that something happens to me if I stay in those negative feelings, those negative actions.
0: Yes, well, I'm eager to see how we start self-reflection You know, how we move through the avoidance and excuses that prevent this introspection uh, that is essential for change in all of our lives, you know? Yes, yes. Well, and it
1: begins with things that we've talked about previously, Anna. You know, learning the skills that open us up to the experience of the present moment awareness. You know, it's beginning with concentration on the breath as a focus of our attention, you know, sensing into our bodies, using using the breath and body meditation that we've talked about, because this is a whole body phenomenon. You know, watching our thoughts, watching our thoughts without being dragged into the thought stream or the drama. You know, this is a skill that we learn by practicing. These are on our videos and certainly on our, on our podcast as well. Dropping into questions that we might have, or sometimes dropping questions into this awareness, into this aware state. Questions like, you know, what what's right about avoiding knowing the real deal? What's really going on in my life? You know, or even asking, you know, what is my heart's desire? Or what am I protecting? Or who am I protecting by not tuning into the real, my real self? And what do I think will change if I know the truth and I live out of the truth? And what part of my life isn't working for me? These can all be kind of like dropped into, you know, like pebbles into the well of our awareness.
0: Yes, this is very direct. No, no pulling punches.
1: No, no pulling punches. You know, and self-reflection, remember, is a learning process that enables us to assess and process various experiences and sense into the meaning of these circumstances. And integrate the meaning really into our lives, integrating it for a better and greater good. So we don't want to rush the process. You know, it is time to ponder. It's time to just determine what, what really matters and carefully choose what we would like to reflect upon. You know, who do I take myself to be is a question we can start with. You know, or we could explore our values or a particular situation or experience we could we could really reflect on this pandemic year you know it's a good time for this self reflection you know what has the pandemic uh, been for me where has it taken me and where do i want to go from here and this could include relationships jobs you know so we're asking ourselves you know what has happened what was involved you know what would i do differently how can I make peace with it if there are things that are unsettling about it? You know, and what do I need to change? But also, what are my strengths? Why so I my limitations as I move forward. So it's really doing a broad brushstroke. Who else needs to be involved? Or I can, I can really begin to hone in on what did I learn from the experience? But also positive questions. What am I most proud of? You know, what have I let myself feel good about in the whole experience you know and extract that by asking questions what part of me really felt like this was a job well done so just about anything could be a target just about anything could be a target sure and sometimes we can assess it according to what we've talked about before kind of mind body spirit you know is my body healthy and strong and what is that about and what about my thought stream? You know, when we talk about the mind, you know, what are the stories of the patterns that I get stuck in? And we talk about spirit, we could really begin to look at, am I at peace? You know, where do I feel connected? And how do I feel connected to my higher self or a power greater than myself? We could also look at work. Is it fulfilling and satisfying or interesting? And also love, you know, looking at, are we engaged in positive relationships? And then I also like to include, you know, in our inquiry, play. Are we engaged in time for fun or joyful activities?
0: Well, Dr. Jane, how do we make this a practice?
1: Well, by very intentionally setting aside time to drop into ourselves and proceeding with curiosity and also loving kindness, Anna. So we could do it on a daily basis, a kind of a check-in, just a few moments, asking myself, what's up with me today? Or we could do it daily. We could do it weekly as well. You know, what's come up this week? What are the themes that I tend to be finding, you know, in my daily experiences or my experiences with others? And then I also suggest a monthly and certainly a year-end, more in-depth review of where I've been, where I am now, and also where I want to go.
0: Well, I think after this conversation, we are all ready for some self-reflection. Thank you, Dr. Jane.
1: Thank you, Anna.
0: Until our next conversation.